Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. The Lord says to Moses, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings, accept the contributions, listen to this, from all whose hearts are moved to offer them, not from all whose hands are obliged to give them. That's why we in our church, we don't do 40-minute offering teachings. We don't do it because I don't want people to give out of obligation. God says that he accepts a joyful and a generous giver. So if someone's giving out of obligation, I'm sorry, that's not what God wants. From all whose hearts are moved to offer them, here is a list of sacred offerings you may accept from them. Gold. He doesn't start with, you know, bring me your local produce, does he? Gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat hair. I said to our church, I said, don't bring me goat hair next week. I've got no idea what to do with it. It's symbolism, right? And all the symbolism in this, Pastor Jeff tonight will be covering all the symbolic historical facts about all of this. Tonight, you've got to be here. It'll be unbelievable. Right? So goat hair for cloth, tanned ramskins. You wait till he teaches on tanned ramskins. And the difference between tanned and untanned ramskins is amazing. And fine goatskins, leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. Verse 8, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary. This is his purpose. So, when God says so, he's about to bring his purpose. So I can live among them. This is not about a building. This is not about onyx stones. This is about building a place where God can be among them. His purpose wasn't money. God created it all. His purpose was a place where his presence could be, could be there for the, for the encounter with the people. He says, so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. First thing is this, when we're building God's house, it's built with pattern. Spend any time with anyone from Edge, just say the word pattern and everybody says, yes, that's what we built. Many years ago, our senior leader got this message, build according to the pattern. I could go into the story of that. Basically, he felt God spoke to him that he had a pattern. A number of years ago, my wife and I, we, we had a two-bedroom home, one of those homes where you, you stepped into the door and then you were straight in the kitchen, which is a good thing for an Italian, straight into the kitchen. And then you walked through the kitchen and literally you were out the door to a porch and the laundry and toilet was outside. Those kind of homes, a little sleep out, tin, tin roof sleep out. And so we were running a mentoring, a mentoring group in our, in our home with about 12 people in our home. Our home, our, our, our sunroom that we built on, little sunroom, was so small that 12 people sitting around the room that if someone had to go to the toilet, everyone had to stand up. Not in honour, they had to stand up and tuck their chairs in so that people could walk past. So we wanted to extend and build our home so we could have people in our home and we wanted to believe in faith for children and many of you know our story and we couldn't have children and God has given us three beautiful children. So we wanted to extend this home. And what I, what I did is I got a plan made up. And I got a design of what I wanted for my home. Now, I had builders come from the church and builders from outside and plumbers and electricians and all different kinds of builders come, but it was always my house. They were the builders, but it was always my house. Matter of fact, it still is my house. I've got a mortgage, but it still is my house, right? We've got to realize that God said, Jesus said he would build his church, right? It's always his. It's never mine. We just get to be builders, Right? We get to come in with our trades and our gifts and we get to be able to participate in the building. But God has a pattern 
and a design by which he wants his house built. We've realized for our church that the messages that we share on a Sunday, they can't just be sermons. They've got to be activators of culture and values, right? So I watch the team here that walk in and the team on hospitality, and they've got 1 Kings 10 on their shirts here. You might have noticed that. You might not have noticed that. 1 Kings 10 is when Queen of Sheba visited Solomon's temple. And she came with difficult questions and he had her answers for her. We, we've, built, we've built our culture as a church, a lot of our culture on that, about a church being a church with answers. Not a church that asks questions of the community, but a church that brings answers to the community. That's why I love gifts like Pastor Jeff. I want him in our church because he's a man who brings the answers to a difficult situation. A church with excellence. She was blown away at the palace that he had built. A church with hospitality. She was blown away by the food on his table. A church with integrity. It speaks about she was blown away by the robes. Robes speak of righteousness and integrity. And we felt that God spoke to us about robes of righteousness and, and being a people of integrity at every level of what we do and so on and so on. And God began to give us patterns and begin to say to us, Jonathan, I don't want you to build your house. Don't come into my house and tell me where you want to put the bedrooms. I want you to build according to my plan. So when the builders were coming to my house, first thing I would hand them was a copy of the plan. And I'd say to them, build this. And they would go according to the plan. And you know what happened? This is a miracle. We got the house that was on the plan. And it all worked out. I know I'm simplifying it today, but it actually does work. And God is telling Moses, be sure to build according to the pattern I give you, not your preferences, not your ideas, not your concepts. And God began to unpack for us patterns. So our culture of generosity, our culture of hospitality, our culture of generations, where we believe that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are not building a youth church. We are being, building a generational church because I need the mothers and fathers and grandmoms and granddads in our house to be depositing seeds into our young people and dreams into our young people and actually working together hand in hand. I encourage our young people. I say to our teenagers, and I'm going to say that to them here. I hope this is okay. I say to our teenagers, go grab a coffee with one of the seniors in our church who's done life with God for 40, 50 years. Get them to tell your stories. Can I say to the seniors, your stories aren't boring. You might have shared them a hundred, a thousand times. There's young people that need to hear your faith journey. They need to hear your miracles. And they need to hear the things that God journeyed you through as you went through the dark valleys and as you went through the mountain. How did you handle your trial and how did you handle your triumph? I want to know because I want us as a generation to take it further than ever before. Not because we're better, but because we can learn from the mistakes of the past and we can also grow through the victories that God has shown you. And so we have a culture of generations. I could go on for days talking about our culture, but our culture is not Danny's preference. Or Jonathan's preference. Our culture is the patterns God's given us. And so he says, build according to the pattern. Very specific. Excellence. Excellence is part of our thing, not because we like excellence, but because we believe God's shown us through his scripture from cover to cover that excellence is part of God's house. Why should God's house be the last? Build your paneled houses while my house lies in ruins. Amen. Amen. So excellence is part of our culture. Hospital, people, people started criticizing our senior leader for how much we spent money on food. I realized Jesus did his most intimate moment with his disciples around a meal. And a matter of fact, he instituted around a meal for us to keep remembering him, to keep remembering him, to keep putting the members back together, to, to keep going to the places where I, I, that, that's a member 
that's a moment in my life when I encountered Christ and a moment in my life encountered Christ and a moment in my life encountered Christ. And I remember those things. I put those things back together and realized the greatness of God in my life. And he did that around a meal. So cover to cover, Abraham's hosting angels through food and hospitality. I thank God that this church is into hospitality or I'd be even skinnier than now. It's a culture and a value, right? So next week we come to Vision 2020 and seven years moving forward. It's not Byron and Anne's idea. It's God's pattern. And it's built with pattern. And, and that's why I love, I love equippers that bring the word of God to us. You know why? Because they're bringing biblical pattern back. We've got to make this our highest priority. We have a, we have a man, oh man, I should have prepared the DVD. Well, it doesn't matter. I won't have time and he'll interrupt me. But there's, there's a guy in our, in our West Campus in Adelaide. And uh, he came out of an extreme Islamic religion connected with Christ, has had a radical conversion. Man, it is transformational. He talked about the Quran. And he said, in my home, the Quran had to have the highest place, the highest shelf. You know what he would do? He would put gloves on. He'd go and have a shower, reclothe himself, and put gloves on every day he was to read the Quran because it had to have the highest honor. Now that he's encountered Christ, exactly the same. You know what he said? He said, I, 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 I get concerned. I walk into church and I watch that nobody comes with a Bible anymore. Now, I know we've got them on our iPads and our iPhones and whatever, but the reason why I do this is not to be a grandpa. The reason I do this is because I realize there's unchurched people that are going to walk through our door and they're never going to see a Bible. No matter that you've got 100 apps on your phone, that's a great thing. I use my app on my phone when I'm on a plane and I'm, I'm using my app on a phone as well. It's convenient. But when I come into church, I'm being very deliberate about carrying this because I want to give it highest value and highest priority. And I don't throw this around. And so what he does is this Kalim guy, is he's replaced the Quran with the Bible, and now he goes and showers every morning, gets clothed and ready, puts gloves on and takes the word of God. The revelation this guy has been getting in his first 12 months walk with God is extraordinary. It's supernatural. It's unreal. Why? Because we've given value to the pattern. This has got a pattern for your marriage. This has got a pattern for your parenting. It's got a pattern for your health. It's got a pattern for your finances. And it's got a pattern for building the church. God has given us a pattern and we build according to the pattern. And just in case God wanted to drive the point home in Exodus 25, 40, he says again, be sure to make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. Exodus 26, 30, set up this tabernacle according to the pattern you were shown here on this mountain. Exodus 27, 8, build it just as you were shown here on the mountain. God went to great deal and great specifics. I haven't got the time to expand it, but if you go and read Exodus, God didn't just go, oh, build me a building. He went into the very specifics of every element, and there is symbolism in it all. But he went to the very specifics of the building that he wanted to build, and that's how seriously he takes about building his house. And we build according to the pattern. Second thing is this, God's house is built with people. I got so excited about this passage, because God starts downloading and, and, uh, and showing Moses all of the detail, the intricacies of of the ark and everything that he had to build and everything that he had to do and what materials were used where and how they were, how they were used and who was to use them. And, and God goes into the details. Now, in, in my recent transition into taking on the leadership of the church, there are significant staffing positions that we need. I need leaders of leaders in certain areas of the church. And now I've taken on the leadership of the church and there are gaping holes in some of our infrastructure. Our infrastructure is fine. It's just the people in that infrastructure that we need. And I'm reading through my daily devotions. You know, I didn't go looking for a sermon. I just go connecting with God. I said to some of the leaders the other night, this is just a little bonus on the side for you. Don't even have to pay for it. It's just there. Um, I said to the leaders the other night, I got asked by Anne, can you tell the guys about how you do your devotional life? Uh, 
it's communication and relationship with Christ. It's not my obligation. I, I said to them, I said, imagine this. Imagine I said to you all, you know what, I'm really glad my wife's not here because I'd love to chat to you. I need to talk to someone. Like, I have to go home every night and talk to her. I have to have dinner with her every night. And she wants to talk, like, about life and our children and the house. I have to go home every night and do that. Like, it's, you guys are worried about my marriage. This is, this is an example. It's an illustration. Stay with me. You guys are looking at me like, man, you really need help. Get off the platform. This is, this is an illustration. Serious. It's an illustration. Wouldn't you ask the question, there's something wrong with his relationship? But let me tell you this, as much as I'd love to be with you here tonight, and I would love to be with you here tonight, I need to be home from my church tomorrow morning. I can't wait to get home to my wife and kids. I've got a four-week-old I haven't seen for a week. She's now five weeks old. I've missed out on 20% of her life. <laughs> I need to go and see this little girl. I love being with them. It's not an obligation for me to get up and talk to my wife. It's not an obligation for me to go and have dinner with my wife. It's a relationship. So when I do my devotional life, it's not like, God, I have to say, God, look, you got between 7.30 and 8 o'clock. That's what we're doing today. Yes, you need to be planned and organized because I think the day will run away from you, but it's a joy, isn't it? We just heard about us. We just heard a message that just makes you, I'm, I'm in love with Jesus even more. The message I just heard, I fall in love with Jesus more. I can't wait to spend time with him. And so now I don't go as a leader going, man, I need some leadership messages. Oh, I'm going to talk to staff. Give me some lead. No, I just go and say, God, I'm up to Exodus. Let's keep talking. And he gives me a thought and I write it down. And that's what you're getting today. So I'm going, God, I need leaders. I need leaders. You'll, I know you'll speak to me. And God, in my prayer time, I'm praying, God, give me the right people. Give me eyes to see the people that you might be seeing. And, and I'm praying into this. And I realize God builds his pattern and he builds his people. So we come to Exodus 31. And it says this in verse 6, Moreover, so more than what I've just said to you, in addition to what I've said to you, I have given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I have commanded you to make. Verse 11, the craftsmen must make everything as I have commanded you. So God gives us a pattern and says, I want you to build my house this way. And then he says, I'm going to give special gifts and skills to the people. Because God doesn't go, oh, build me the Taj Mahal, but I ain't going to give you anybody to do it. He's actually positioned you here for this. And there are skills inside of every single one of you. Every single one. No, I'm not interested in what was spoken over your life that said you can amount to nothing. I'm interested in what the Word of God says about you. And the Bible says that each one of us has been given a measure of faith and every single one of you is needed for the kingdom of God. I make no apology to say every single one of you should be serving. You should be serving Christ, not just in the church, but serving Christ in your life. You wake up tomorrow morning full of purpose. Because you've been positioned in your family, in your community, in your workplace, wherever it is that you're going tomorrow, I'm not going to be there, but you're going to be there. And I need you to be mobile and reaching people with the message of the cross. It's, it's us coming together. And he doesn't just build with pattern. He builds with people, you and I. Everyone we need is in the house. They'll come. Because God will bring gifted craftsmen. Can I say this to Pastor Jeff and Robert? Everything you need is in the house. God will highlight them to you. God will bring them to you. Because God has given you a pattern and he's given you a call to a house and he will bring the people to you. Pastor Byron and Anne, exactly the same. 
God will not give you a pattern and then hide people from you because he builds his pattern and he builds his people and he will bring gifted craftsmen, the exact people that you need. You just need to trust him. Like you trust him for pattern, trust him for the people because God has the people. It's amazing. He says, this is the house I want to build and I'm going to give you the tradies. I'm going to give them to you and they're going to be skilled. Gone are the days of the church having the leftovers. I got no fear. I got a guy that drove me from Ballarat to Melbourne a few days ago. Has a high-ranking position in our community. I got no fear asking him to join our staff. This is the highest call. Oh, nothing wrong with you working out there. Nothing wrong with you working. If that's where you're called, you just be Christ to where you're called. Because I believe in Monday Church. I believe we're not all called to build full-time church ministry. I believe we're called to build the church through being full-time ministers everywhere we go. That's what I believe, right? But I have no problem asking for skilled craftsmen to come and work at the church because we shouldn't have the leftovers. Oh, they couldn't make it out there, but let's give them a go. They've got a good heart. No, we should be the best of the best. Amen. I'll amen myself. Let's just keep going. Because <laughs> here we go. He builds with pattern. He builds with people. What time am I meant to be finishing? I mean, my flight's at, what, 3.45? I've got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. You, you realize, Pastor Byron, you realize, Pastor Byron, that Pastor Jeff and I both understand that music just creates atmosphere. And that just, that just, that, that's like fuel to a pastor. That doesn't drain a pastor. That's like pulling a pastor's car up to a petrol pump and filling that thing up and saying, you're going again, bro. So you bring the musicians back because I got, I got lots of fuel to keep going. Lots of fuel. Stop it. You're interrupting. I'm running out of time. They're going to send musicians up. So build with pattern. Build with people. The third thing is he builds with provision. Oh, here we go. This is cool bit. This is the cool bit. He builds with provision. So God's downloaded this pattern, Exodus 31. We've gone through Exodus 25, da, 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 all the way through Exodus 31. I've given you the gifted craftsmen. So I've given you the pattern and I've given you the people. And Moses brings the message down. Have a look at this, Exodus 31, verse 18. It says this. When the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant written by the finger of God. God's finished his work of bringing the message. And the enemy comes with a counteroffer. Have a look at this. Very next verse, Exodus 32. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. Listen to the oxymoron in this statement. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. Listen to the oxymoron. Who's this guy, Moses, who delivered us from 400 years of bondage and slavery? It's amazing how fickle people can be. We don't need to be fickle people. Have a look at this. So have a look at Aaron's response. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons. Now, men, let's try that. Take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. Listen to verse 3. No motivational speech, no long explanation, no pattern, no future, no promise, nothing. Have a look at verse 3. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. I mean, I'd get Aaron to do my offering speech. We can give first-class allegiance to second-class causes, to the gods we choose we want to create. Have a listen. Verse 4. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, molded it into the shape of a calf, and when the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I find this ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Oh, plagues, manna, 
pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. But these are the gods that brought us out of Egypt. It's amazing how we will worship and give willingly to the gods we can control and create. Oh, and it didn't just happen in Exodus. It's happening right here, right now. Let me show it to you. Apparently, this is a mega church. This is a mega church. Apparently, there was 85, 90,000 people watching Queensland beat New South Wales. Apparently, this is a mega church that wants your money. You ever tried buying a hot dog and a drink? I'm not being silly. I said to our church, I said, do it. I'd, I'd encourage you to go down to Amy Stadium. In Adelaide, it's called Amy Stadium where they play AFL, 50,000 people go and watch the game. I said, do it. Go down to Amy Stadium and go to the turnstile and say, you know what, I'm, a com- I'm committed to the Crows. I really am. Uh, so, sir, where's your ticket? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm committed. I don't need to pay. You don't need my money. Have a look at this stadium you've got. Have a look at how much people are giving to this. You don't need my money. Have a look at how much those footballers are earning. I just want to come and sit. Someone else can pay for the lights and the stadium and the players and the staff and the things that I enjoy. You don't do it anywhere else. And we give first-class allegiance to second-class causes. They gave first-class finance to a calf they were creating. It is amazing how the enemy in this area has distracted God's people. This is why I'm not afraid to go there because I can see how bluntly the enemy is blinding us. So I had a conversation last week with someone who said to me they were criticizing the fact that our prime minister earns, I don't know, $250,000, $300,000 a year. I said, our prime minister earns $253,000 a year and you got a problem with that? Someone who's in the public eye being criticized for every statement they make, they, they know at any, any given time half the nation hates them. Their kids don't get to go to school and just live a normal life, neither does their wife or their husband or their partner. And this is not a political statement. I'm not you know, talking about whether I like the Prime Minister. I'm just talking about a principle. And yet rock stars and movie stars that are trying to sexualize our kids, we're happy to tithe to them. And don't tell me that the world isn't tithing to them. Try buying a concert ticket. Try getting a CD for free off them. And we give first-class allegiance to second-class causes. We save up for the things that we value because sacrifice is not just a godly response. It's a worship response. And we give to what we worship. And I just want to set the church free in this area. I don't talk a lot about money. If, you've, if this is the first time you've heard me, I don't talk a lot about money. But you need to know money's the big one. Jesus said you cannot serve God and money. He, he makes a statement that says money would set itself up to be in opposition to God. That's how powerful it is. Money is not an issue of the hand, it's an issue of the heart. Every scripture on money has about the lure of wealth, the desire for wealth, the love of money. Some of you might have heard me share this because I think I shared it last time I was here. I can't remember what I shared, but Matthew 13, there's four soils. Let's give this to you just really quickly. Matthew 13, there's four soils. Hardened ground, rocky ground, thorny ground, fruitful ground. God's first command to mankind was to be fruitful and multiply. His first words. He blessed them. That's God's intention for your life. And then said, be fruitful and multiply. His first words, be fruitful and multiply. We want to be fruitful. I want to be fruitful. I want to fulfill God's first command. Jesus' last command was go into all the world, make disciples. You know what happens when we make disciples? We're fruitful. 
right? So God's first command, Jesus' last command, was about fruitfulness. So we need to be fruitful. So we've got to listen to Matthew 13 when it talks about fruitful soil because I want to get there. And I've heard many sermons, and I agree with them, many sermons about them being four different people. I actually believe it's a journey. That we start hardened. The, 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 the soil and the seed is a representation of our heart and the word of God. Isaiah assures me that his word never returns void. That it'll accomplish everything it's sent out. So the seed is not a problem. Fruitfulness is not a problem because the seed and the fruit are both in God's hands. Good seed plus good soil equals good fruit, right? So that equation, seed and fruit, God's responsibility. The only part of the equation that's our responsibility is the condition of our heart. Are you with me? Right? So he's talking about soil and he's saying the soil represents your heart. So if you can adjust your soil and get to good soil, I can guarantee you that my seed will bring great fruit in your life. Are you with me? So he takes us on a progressive journey, hardened ground. It actually says that throws out the seed and the enemy comes and steals away the seed. Even though the seed can't take ground, the enemy is so terrified of the word of God that he will come and steal it away from your heart, even if you're hardened, because he does, he is totally terrified of the word of God. You know what Jesus does with hardened hearts is this. There's a woman caught in adultery, in the very act of adultery, and the religious leaders bring her before Jesus, and they're ready to throw seed at her. Jesus doesn't speak to her because he realized he's dealing with hardened ground. What Jesus does? He bends down and he writes in the ground, and you know what he does? He breaks the ground. When you're dealing with people with a hardened heart, don't throw Seed at them, throw love at them to open their heart so the seed can take ground and then become fruitful, right? So you break the ground. My dad was a gardener, I'm hopeless, right? But I used to watch my dad garden, hardened ground. You know what happens with the hardened ground? It wasn't like the, the Italians that they came, they saw and they concreted. It was like that at that time they had no concrete, right? And so, and so the hardened ground was the ground that was trodden on. That created the path, right? Because people have been beaten up by life and beaten up by religion. And what happens is their heart becomes hard. And we've got to somehow loosen that soil. When we open that soil up, what happens is you go below the surface. My dad would turn the soil all the time because he'd be planting tomatoes and all kinds of vegetation. Um, and then he'd go back, dig the same soil that he pulled the rocks out of, and you'd go underneath, there's rocks again. Because when you start delving below the surface... All of you know what I'm talking about because I know what I'm talking about. When God starts getting in there, he starts finding things below the surface in our life. And it, and it says that the seed takes ground and it sprouts and then it wilts under the heat of life. You know what it's like? It's like the people that come to a conference and they're fired up and change the world, Pastor Byron, and change the world and they sprout up, right? Because they've opened their heart to the Word of God and they sprout up but they haven't dealt with the stuff below the surface. And so the moment they hit the heat of Monday, they wilt under the pressure and then they come back Sunday Someone throws some seed and they sprout up. Then they hit Monday and they wilt under the heat. And God wants more for you. This is not meant to prop you up. This is meant to equip you. You're meant to grow every week to be fruitful, right? So we go from hardened ground to, to, to rocky ground to thorny ground. We are one step away from fruitfulness, right? Because now the enemy, because now it starts growing and it starts, uh, it starts getting stronger and the roots, roots are going down deep now. So now we're in trouble, right? The enemy's in trouble because he knows the next step is fruitfulness, which is God's first command. He knows we're in trouble. So he's going to throw his hardest at us now to try and choke it out. You know what he throws at us? Have a look in Matthew 13. The cares of this life and the lure of wealth. Crisis and cash. 
for two C's. Because money's the big one. And I'm not afraid to go there because I love you. I might get emails, people might not ever listen to me preach again. But I'll go there, you know why? Because I know the ploys of the enemy. He uses money to choke out fruitfulness. He uses the lure of wealth to distract us from the purposes and plans of God. And when we can overcome the big one, which is money and crisis, when we can handle the trials, I love the fact that, that Pastor Jeff has got a theology of suffering, that we understand that Christ's greatest moment in the center of his will was when he was on the cross. We get an understanding of what we do in the midst of crisis when you can start to have a crisis and yet will I praise the Lord? And when you can overcome the thorn of the lure of wealth, you are priming yourself for fruitfulness in your life. You've suddenly dealt with the hardness, you've dealt with the stuff below the surface, and now you're dealing with the stuff above the surface, which is what everybody can see. And it's fruitfulness. And he builds with provision. He builds with pattern, he builds with people, and he builds with provision. Because God gives us the opportunity, like I shared yesterday, to touch the miracle and be a part of it. I'm passionate about this. Our world willfully gives their resources to build the gods they create. So God got angry. They built a golden calf. And Moses pacifies God. I love that passage. Don't wipe them out. And get rid of them. And Moses, I'm going to make you great. What a great leader. Moses pleads on behalf of the people. Moses doesn't go, yeah, make me a great leader. These are rebellious. He pleads on behalf of the people. Exodus 34, oh man, I'm in trouble. They're coming. Walk slowly, people. Walk slowly. <laughs> yeah, you reckon I still got the microphone. Don't switch me off. <laughs> so chapter 34, I'll keep going. Chapter 34, God gave Moses a copy of the new covenant. And now we come to chapter 35, verse 4. Listen to this. It says this. Then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, this is what the Lord has commanded. Building with provision is not man's command. It's God's command. So hear me, I'm reading the scriptures. This is what the Lord has commanded. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. Now God repeats himself again. He's making a point. I am not diverting from my plan. I've got a pattern. I've got people and I will build with provision. So he says, bring gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, thread, fine linen, goat hair for cloth, repeats himself, goes all the way down, verse 10, come all of you who are gifted craftsmen, construct everything the Lord has commanded. God repeats himself. He says, I will not divert. I don't care whether you want to give allegiance to the gods that you create. I have a plan. I have a purpose. I have a pattern. I have people and there's provision in your hands and I will not divert. This is the way we're going to do it. Come down to verse 20. So the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved, listen to the language, came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed, all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals and for the sacred garments. Both men and women came, all whose hearts were willing. They brought to the Lord. They didn't bring to Moses. They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers and necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. All those who owned the following item willingly brought them blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair for cloth and tanned ramskins and fine goat skins leather. And all who had silver and bronze objects gave them as a sacred offering to Moses. No, a sacred offering to the Lord. This is God's house and we're building his house. 
And those who had acacia wood brought it for the use in the project. All the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning prepared blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen cloth. All the women who were willing used their skills to spin the goat hair into yarn. The leaders brought onyx stones and the special gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest's chest piece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light, the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense. Verse 29, so the people of Israel, every man and woman who was eager to help in the work of the Lord had given them through Moses, brought their gifts and gave them freely to the Lord. Listen to this, all who were eager to do the work that God had spoken to them through Moses came and gave to the Lord. They understood that it was God's plan, it was God's house, it was God's tabernacle. It was God's pattern. It was God's people. It was God's provision spoken through Moses. But when they came back to give, they didn't give to Moses. They gave to the Lord. What a great way to give. Not give to a man. Giving to the Lord. Time, treasure, and talent. And everything we need is in the house. You guys can't start playing. <laughs> They're terrified of me. <laughs> Stop, go, stop, go. <laughs> they don't know what to do. We hate that guy. Don't bring him back, Pastor Byron. He's confusing. So Exodus 35, God says this. This is how you bring. They, they brought willingly, right? Exodus 36, verse 1. The Lord had gifted Bezalel, Ohaliab, and the other skilled craftsmen wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the sanctuary. Let the, repeats himself again, let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord had commanded. So Moses summoned Bezalel and Ohaliab and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary, but the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Man, what a revelation. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord had commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent through the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. If it's God's pattern, if we're building what God has called us to build, then he'll give us the people. He'll not only give us the people, but he's given us the provision. I'm not going to do this today because of the sake of time and the fact that musicians have come back and they're hurrying me along. I'm only joking. I'm only joking, guys. Last week, I did a courageous thing. I stood before our church and I just took Adelaide, city, south and west. Do you want to see it? Can you give me five more minutes? Is that all right? I'm going to really expose our church right now, but it's your church too. So I'm going to show you what I showed our church as we prepared for our vision offering, which is happening right now in our church this weekend. I want you to have a look at this PowerPoint presentation, and I want to coach you through this. Please do not look for numbers. Look for principle, because God gave us a principle called tithes and offerings. I just want to guide you through this. Have a look at this PowerPoint presentation. This is what I did exactly as I did it in my church. Have a look at this. Can we put that PowerPoint up? Is that okay? There it is, right there. Our current average weekly giving for city S CSW is City South and West, that's our three campuses in Adelaide, is $81,522 per week. When you consider three buildings, 80 plus staff, you start doing your numbers. Ever paid your electricity bill recently? Gas bill, water bill? Try doing that on multiple size buildings. 
$81,522 per week, which is great. The people are generous. What we did is we said, let's have a look at the people who are active in the life. We don't look at who gives. We don't go on a Sunday and have a look and credit cards. We're not interested in that. That's not my responsibility. That's them to God. I'm not interested in who gives more and who gives less. It's not my responsibility. We went to our database. We had 3,703 active adults just in Adelaide. Now, what I mean by active adults is this is not new people to the life of the church. Over the last 12 months, we had about a, over 600 new people join our church. Um, but we have 3,703 active adults. These are people who call Edge Church their home. These are people over the age of 18. This is not including all of our teenagers or all of our youth, just 3,703 adults in our church. Let's go to the next slide. We made some assumptions. We assumed that most people over the age of 18 earn some form of income, whether it's a Centrelink payment, a study payment, or they're working part-time. And we made some assumptions that in some homes there might be only a single income earner, sometimes a double income earner, but we tried to go very conservative on our assumptions. Next one. So what we did is we assumed that 5% of our people earn $7,500 a year and then worked our way up to the highest income earner in our church earns $75,000 a year. Many of you know that's a very, very, very conservative. The national average is $58,000 a year. So what we assumed was that 90% of our church earned under the average wage or on the average wage or under. That's what we assumed, right? So we went, we tried to go very, very conservative on those figures, as you can see. Let's go to the next slide. So if everybody tithed, if everybody gave a tenth of their income, which by the way is not my giving to God, it's my obedience to God, it's always his money, right? So if everybody tithed, then that's what they would give per week based on those conservative figures from $14 to $144. Go to the next slide. If 100% of our people were obedient to the tithing principle, our giving wouldn't be $82,000 per week, it would be $308,000 per week. And I said to our church this, you imagine a vision like ours, it's got a heart for the hurting and the broken. Imagine a vision like ours that wants to restore and eliminate homelessness in our city. And we're not talking about that as a joke. We want to eliminate it in our city. Imagine a, a church like ours that wants to reach single parents in our city. Imagine a church like ours that wants to bring families and build uh, respite centers for the elderly who are lonely and have no more family. You imagine what a vision like that can do with $227,000 a week extra to serve its community with a message of hope, truth, and love. It's not about wages. It's about the fact that God gave us a pattern and God's given us the people and God's given us the provision. And we would have more than enough. It's not about increasing my wage. This is the most horrible ministry to get into if you came into it for money. Oh, no, I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of our pastors. I'm just saying it's not about that. If I wanted to make money, I'd go into business and not have to apologize for the car I drive. And if it is about money, get out of the ministry. This is not about money. This is about abused teenagers in our city having a place of refuge. This is about us building homes. Could we build a four-bedroom home for $450,000? I could build a four-bedroom home and take women off the street. I could build a four-bedroom home every two weeks just with obedience. I could build 26 homes by the end of the year. We've got a dream to build a drug rehabilitation center. It's going to cost us multiplied millions. We don't need a miracle offering for that. We just need obedience. Because God's given us a pattern and he's given us the people and he's given us the provision and we just need to activate our obedience. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's not about money. It's about a vision. God has a plan for this house. 
and the pattern for this house and the people for this house and the provision for that pattern. If we would just activate our obedience, I could say to you, this is not about money. It's about people. You know the hearts of your senior leaders. It's not about them. It's about people. It's about you filling your seat because someone sacrificed to buy that seat. Open this building. He builds with, oh, I had so much more I wanted to share. He builds with pattern, builds with people, he builds with provision. And you know what it's all about? It's about his presence. In Exodus 40, verse 33, we come to the last chapter of Exodus. It says this, Then he hung the curtain, forming the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar. And he set up the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. So at last, Moses finished the work. We've gone all the way through Exodus. People have been set free. God gave them a pattern. God gave them people. God gave them provision. They got to work. They had more than enough. They finished the work. Listen to this. So at last Moses finished the work. Next verse. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Because where his presence is, his power is, his promise is, his purpose is. And he said right at the outset, I want you to build this so that I have a place to dwell with you. When I dwell with you, my purpose goes with you. Read on in Exodus 40, and it brings to a conclusion that every time the cloud lifted and moved, the people moved because they so trusted the purposes of God. And then the cloud would settle and the people would settle because God is building his church. And we get to be a part of it by applying his pattern by making the people available, by releasing our provision so the glory of the Lord can come with his presence.